Chapter 7 of Workers Together. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Workers Together or an Endless Chain by Pansy. Chapter 7 A Time to Think. Mrs. Saunders and the beef tea appeared together, and Joy and her Bible vanished. The new nurse was ready handed and cheerfully authoritative. She tucked a fine damask napkin under her patient's chin and skillfully fed him with spoonfuls of beef tea from a solid silver teaspoon. When she decided that he had taken nourishment enough, she whisked away spoon and cup without question, straightened the bedclothes, beat up another pillow and arranged it dexterously under his head, telling him meantime that he looked better already, and that he must keep up good courage, which was always half the battle in everything. Then she drew down the shades and told him to mind the doctor and go to sleep, and assuring him that Tommy, the bellboy, should sit just outside the door and would hear if he but just touched the little silver bell by his side, she disappeared before Robert had had time to reflect on the questions that he wanted to ask her. But sleep did not come readily to the restless brain. Robert was very sorry for Joy's departure. He even reflected whether it would be likely to do any good to touch that little bell and tell Tommy that he wanted Miss Joy. Then, in case she came, what was he to say to her? That he wanted to know more about Rehoboam? But that would be absurd. What must she think of him already? I wish I had never heard of the old scamp, or young scamp, whichever he was, he said aloud and angrily and had he not been too weak and sore to accomplish it, he would have kicked off the bedclothes and flung himself to the other side of the bed. He was unaccountably vexed with Dr. Everett and his historic allusions. Although he had had only touches of the story from Joy's lips, his quick wits took in something of the doctor's meaning. So he was Rehoboam, who had managed his affairs with skill, until he had grown proud and careless. There was too much truth in the hint to be pleasant. A Christian home had been Robert's, and back there, in his quiet country home, his morals had been excellent. In fact, he had been in the habit, during all his boyhood, of being looked up to as a model boy. How long ago it seemed since he was a fine-looking, well-dressed country youth, the delight of his mother and the admiration of his sister, and himself afraid of nothing, barely three years, yet measured by his experience in city life, they might have been thirty years. Sometimes it almost seemed to him that his boyish home life was all a dream, and that he had always been a rather fast young man. In the brief half-sentence, afraid of nothing, had lain most of his temptations. When I am weak, then am I strong. He had never learned that verse, he would not have understood its meaning. His handsome lip would have curled contemptuously over every phase of weakness. No temptation could possibly assail him which he was not prepared to laugh at. He had only contempt for those fellows who could not take care of themselves. Is it any wonder that three years of city life, unrestrained by any home influences, had developed him into the sort of young man whom the people called gay? speaking the word with ominous uplifting of the eyebrows and grave shakes of the head, and sometimes with sighs? It did not, in his case, mean all that that little word is capable of conveying to the initiated. 
It meant simply that he was a good fellow. He smoked choice cigars and gave them away freely. He drove a fast horse when he could get one. He drank a glass of wine occasionally with the fellows and was never much the worse for it. In fact, a little more brilliant in conversation after indulging. With a headache next morning, to be sure, but what of that? Everybody had headaches in these fast times. His old habit of church-going had been given up almost utterly. The real reason, if those who condemned him the sharpest had but known it, being, because he was too sorely homesick in such places to bring himself to endure it. The Sabbath morning service in the old church at home had always brought his mother out. It was the only time she ever left his suffering father. As far back as in the days when he first became tall enough for his little mother to take his arm, and from that time on, he had walked to church with her of a Sabbath morning, and held open the door of the old-fashioned pew for her to pass, and found the hymns for her and the text, and rejoiced in being her protector, and had been used to hearing himself spoken of by the neighbors as a fine manly boy, one who would be the support of his mother's old age. How could he go to church alone, and sit in an obscure corner of the gallery in the great, dark, cold-looking city church. It was so easy to form the other habit, slipping into it by degrees. Nobody took any notice of him in the formative period. It was not until the other habit was quite fixed that people began to say, I'm afraid that young Parks is rather wild. It looks bad to see a young man like him driving fast horses and frequenting the summer gardens on Sundays, instead of going to church. The young man in question had moved so steadily on his downward road, that it was doubtful if he had ever more than half realized that he was on the down grade. He still meant to be the support of his mother's declining years. He still meant to be a patterned son and brother. What had cigars to do with it? To be sure, his mother did not like them, that was natural, mothers never did, he supposed. But, of course, when one went to the city to live, a great many things were different from what they were in the country. Everybody smoked, and as for taking rides occasionally, and going to the theater now and then, why, if a fellow lived in this world, he must act a little like the people in it. He managed to save more of his salary than any of the rest of the boys, and he received less than some of them, too. Being suddenly caught out of the busy world and laid aside in this strange place, surrounded by strangers, unable to obey orders and go to sleep, unable even to toss about and so get rid of his restlessness, there seemed nothing for him but to think. It had been a long time since Robert Parks had done any good honest thinking. He found himself wondering just what they said at home when they heard of his trouble, whether his mother had a chance to go alone and cry a little because she could not come to him, whether Alice had felt very badly about it, or whether in these three years she had almost forgotten him. Could it be nearly three years since he had seen them all at home? How had it happened that so much time had been allowed to pass, when it had been his intention to spend at least the holiday week in the old homestead? For the first time, he wondered whether it really had been the matter of expense alone that had kept him away. Lying there on his back, this excuse, which had seemed such a sensible and praiseworthy one to give his mother, 
stared him in the face as unreal, as, in part, false. Had there not been a shrinking from meeting his clear-eyed mother, from looking into her face and answering her searching questions? Moreover, if he could frankly own it, did not the whole atmosphere of home, with the sick and suffering father and the child sister, seem dull and uninviting? Altogether, Dr. Everett's patient did not have an enjoyable time with his thoughts. Self-examination was new and unpleasant work. He wondered irritably whether Shishak represented himself. Could he really be his own slave? Also, was little Joy's notion possible that the Lord had sent himself to bind himself in order that he might be held away from a worse something ahead? He laughed over the idea a little bitterly, yet hovered all day around thoughts born of it, and was still so full of the subject that when Dr. Everett returned, after professional questions were answered, his first sentence was, Well, sir, I have made the acquaintance of the historical Rehoboam today. Have you indeed? said the doctor, with lifted eyebrows and a peculiarly searching look. May I know what opinion you have of him? I think he received rather rough handling. Why shouldn't he have felt pretty well after accomplishing all that he did? Did you get at the starting point of his entire trouble? I'm not certain as to that. Your little Miss Joy gave me the details. She made them vivid but somewhat condensed, possibly owing to the conflicting claims of beef tea. It is not like Miss Joy to leave out the kernel of a story. However, I can give it to you. It is comprised in one sentence. When he had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord. Then began mischief. I perceive, said Robert. His voice did not invite further conversation. The doctor busied himself about the arrangement of certain small vials, and Robert lay thinking of the law which his mother had kept so carefully before him, having made him familiar with it from his childhood. In what degree had he forsaken it since his city life commenced? This question was embarrassing. He felt his cheeks growing red over the memory of a record that would have been nothing but pain to his mother. He was glad when the vials were arranged, and the doctor turned toward him again. Perhaps he would suggest another subject. But no. Robert had himself led the way, and the doctor was not disposed to turn his thoughts aside. The next fact in that young man's story which impresses me just now is this. He forsook the law, and all Israel followed his example. A poor record that in a man's life, a miserable example to be followed. Rather, said Robert, feeling the necessity for making some answer, with those keen eyes looking steadily down on him. What was the use, just then, of thinking of Austin Barrows and of Fred Briggs? They were two fellows who had followed his example somewhat closely, but then there was no need for doing it unless they chose. He tried to comfort himself with this lame logic, but reflected irritably that Rehoboam might have said the same about all Israel. On the whole, he could not help realizing that whether the accident had been permitted for reasons, or was purely the result of his own carelessness, it had already been productive of more thought than he had given to any experience for a long time. 
When he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him. He seemed to hear Joy's quiet voice reading this verse. She had read it as though she thought it ought to quiet a listener. It seemed to him that the thought but added to his restlessness. No pleasant sensation could be connected with any sort of humbling, in this young man's opinion. Dr. Everett, meantime, had settled into quiet, pen in hand, and was apparently engaged in writing prescriptions. In reality, not a change of expression on his patient's face but was carefully noted. When at last Robert's eyes closed in weariness and then in sleep, the doctor arose and came to his side. "'Poor fellow,' he said within himself. "'Poor fellow!' How strange it is that people will not learn from the long line of Rehoboam's who have preceded them. Some miserable shishak gets them in tow, despite ten thousand warnings. And there are plenty to follow their example, some of them professedly belonging to the house of Israel, too. Well, the Lord allowed shishak to gain a victory in order to help a self-righteous king to a sense of his folly, and this modern Rehoboam is in the same safe hands. I wonder if he will let me be his prophet. Miss Joy and I must try to set the feet of this young heir on the right road for his father's house. End of chapter 7 Recording by Tricia G.